If you have the Bible, uh, turn to Psalm 42, please. Psalm 42. Psalm 42. And yeah, you'll probably recognize the first verse because we sang it earlier in the meeting today. Um, so, uh, yeah, I just... So, Jerry, are we all set? You, okay. Um, so, well, let me start by saying this. When I was early in my Christian life, I, um, I heard a little bit of teaching on the verse John 10.10. 10. Jesus said this. You're probably familiar with this verse. Um, the enemy, Satan, has come. The thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come, Jesus said, that they might have life and have it more abundantly. So um, early on in my Christian life, I understood the abundant life. And I think I understood it incorrectly. But I heard it as the abundant life that Jesus came to give was just like mountaintop, to mountaintop, to mountaintop, to mountaintop experience, abundant life. And I, again, I probably wasn't like hearing it properly. It was probably me. It maybe wasn't the people sharing it with me, but that's the way I heard it. Like meaning if you're really following Jesus and really close to God and you're really walking in the light, I mean, life is going to just be a bed of roses day after day after day. It's going to be mountaintop, mountaintop, mountaintop. That's the abundant life Jesus came to bring. And then I, a few years ago, I realized, you know what? I think abundant life doesn't just mean the highs, but it actually means the full gamut of being fully alive as a human being. And I realized, you know, Jesus didn't live mountaintop to mountaintop to mountaintop. He actually was in some valleys himself. You know, the shortest verse in the Bible. What is it? Jesus wept. Exactly. Okay. It's real short, but it says a lot about God. Okay. Another place in scripture, I think it's Matthew 23. It says Jesus, you know, over Jerusalem, he, he wept. He lamented over Jerusalem, 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 the one who kills its prophets and those that I send to you. You know, he's, he's, he's heartbroken. He's sad. He's, he's in a sense weeping. I think abundant life actually means when God starts healing us and transforming us, it means we actually experience the full range of being fully human, even the lows. Like it's a testimony when some, primarily men, but some pe men and women, like when they cry, it actually means, wow, there's a softness in their heart. I cry easier than ever now, I, 58 years of age. It's, my kids laugh at me. <laughs> I, I watch a movie, I'll cry. I mean, I'm like a big, blabbering baby sometimes. Um, but actually, in a, in a strange way, I'm, I'm kind of like, God, thank you. Like, thank you for softening my heart. Thank you that I can feel something. Thank you that I can feel not only the highs, but I can feel the lows. And so this week was a pretty intense week for me in some ways. Um, you know, the school shooting, which 
it's just sad. I mean, it's just incredibly sad. Incredibly sad. And then the response to the shooting is sad and grievous, and it's just, it's sad. And then there's all kinds of, you know, in the, in the social media world, there's all kinds of just pressure and church reviling and slander, and there's just all kinds of stuff that it makes me sad. It really does. And then yesterday, I buried uh, a really good friend of mine. Don Colbert. Not worried about Don. I'm a little concerned about us <laughs> that are left behind because of the hole he's going to leave. Not worried about Don in the least. But again, just this, this sense of, wow, this is really hard. And so I, um, I thought about this idea, you know, almost, almost half, like a third of the Psalms are called laments. And sometimes, again, when I had my, my immature view of the abundant life, I would sometimes read the Psalms, and I just like, oh, wow, David sounds really down, or whoever the author is. They're, they're like complaining, and they're like crying, and they're like in a lot of pain and anguish. And I'm like, wait a minute, I thought the abundant life was just mountaintop to mountaintop, and I couldn't relate. And I've come to realize that actually like a third of the Psalms are what's called laments. They're, t they're times when the people of God, the author, are like experiencing incredible pain, sorrow, suffering, difficulty. And they're, you know, you could say they're depressed or discouraged. And... Uh, but they're actually in the Bible, and they're there for a reason. And actually, laments are more than just crying and complaining, because oftentimes the lament will start there. The, the psalmist expressing his real heartache, his anguish, his confusion. But often by the end, he lands on, but God, I'm going to trust you. I'm, I'm going to trust you. I know, I, the, there's a lot of stuff I don't know in life, but there's a few things that I do know, and I need to remind myself of that, and I'm going to trust you. So we're going to look at this Psalm 42 and Psalm 43. Now, some scholars think that these are two different Psalms. Others think they're actually originally were like just one Psalm, because you'll see you, it, it really does flow together. If you erase the uh, Psalm 42 and verse 43 and just read it all as one, it, it does actually make a lot of sense. But I just want to talk today about basically learning to lament. Learning to lament. Learning to grieve. Learning how to take our pain and anguish and turn them into prayers. <clears throat> Let's read. We'll just read it. They're not real long. Um, Psalm 42, verse 1. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember 
as I pour out my soul. How I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Verse 5, and you'll see this verse three times in these, in this, these two short psalms. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night, his song is with me, a prayer to God, to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me, for you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God and my God and to God my exceeding joy. And I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. <clears throat> so, Lord, thank you for your word. And Lord, thank you for the abundant life, not just the highs, but thank you that you're with us in the valleys. And Lord, I, I do believe you don't want us to live in the valley and live in a place of depression or discouragement. But we are, we do all experience that at times. And Lord, you want to meet us in that time. And uh, I just thank you and praise you and bless you. And uh, just we commit our time together as we look at your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So a couple things about when you're really feeling down and feeling under it and going through a lot of pain. Number one is... Verse 1 of this psalm, turn to God with everything that you are. As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? First and foremost, as a believer, what we need is God and Him alone. We actually need Him more than just relieving our pain, more than just giving us a kiss and putting a band-aid on it and making the boo-boo go away, we actually need God himself. That's, what the, that's where the psalmist starts. 
And so when we're in anguish, and this isn't something we do naturally and normally, this is something we got to learn. May it drive us on our knees to seek him. May it drive us to go after God like never before. That's actually one of the good benefits of pain is it's when we let it drive us to God and to seek him. Jesus said we will seek him when we search for him with all of our heart. And the just human tendency, human nature is when everything's going great, we don't seek him nearly as intensely as, as we should. That's one of the good things about pain, is it causes us to seek after God. Very simple, but very important. The psalmist starts there. God, I need you. Like, like deer is panting for water, I need you. I don't need just a drink of water. I need you. Water is something that we need to live. Like you can't, you, there's a lot of things in life, ah, you can take it or leave it. Maybe you should have it, but you don't really need it. Water is something we need to live. Jesus said, I, I am the living water, you know, he, and, and we need him. And we must like seek after him. First thing we do is we turn to God. Second thing is it's important to acknowledge the pain, acknowledge the sorrow Acknowledge the de- confusion, the discouragement, even the word depression, okay? Our emotions are, when our emotions are like down like that, it should be like a light on the dashboard of your car. Like, you know, the check engine light. There's, there's something wrong. You know, ch- engine lights now, they, they're like, they tell you more and more information. Back in the day, you know, you just, the light would go on and you're like, by the time the light went on, the steam was already coming up underneath the hood. You know what I mean? It was like, that thing, that doesn't help me very much. Now it tells you all kinds of information. And if you drive old cars like me, you learn to just, ah, it's no big deal. <laughs> we, got, we got to get that shut off before we get it inspected because it won't pass inspection otherwise. But I don't really care that much. But the point is, is we should. When our emotions are downcast, like if we're really down, now let me just say this, we're all wired differently. Some people are more bubbly, effervescent, my wife, you know what I mean? And she is, she's bubbly, she's up, she's happy in the morning after a cup of coffee, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but other, others of us are, are you know, the, the, the glass is half empty, you know what I mean? It's not half full. Some of you, some of us are even worse, you know. That's not water in there. Don't drink it. You know what I mean? Not only is it half empty, it's poison. Um, but the point is, is we, yeah, Manny. The, the point is, is when our soul is downcast, that's not the place that God intends for us to live. As human beings, as healthy human beings, there should be joy and strength in our soul. And if we're downcast, we need to like see we, we need to acknowledge it. You know, the psalmist doesn't run from it. Look at some of the ways he's described here. Verse three. My tears have been my food day and night. If you find yourself weeping for no apparent reason, there's something going on in your soul. This nagging uh 
And, and then it says, verse 3, While they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These nagging questions. So let me just say about the downcast soul. It's not just like you're down. There's like a war going on in your soul. There's like a battle going on. There's nagging questions of doubt and failure. Verse 7 says, Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. The psalmist is feeling like, like he's out in sea treading water and it's, it, the waves are, are going over his head. Like he's, 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 he's choking. He's gasping for breath. Like he, it, this, is a, this is like a lot of turmoil going on inside of him. That's what I mean by downcast. It's not just you're a little melancholy today. There's like this inner battle going on. These bra breakers and waves. And he, he sees this. Again, he's just seeing this from his perspective. It's like God is doing this to him. Um, I'm not saying God is, but it, that's the way his soul feels. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. Verse 9, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I? He feels forgotten. You know, when you're, when you're in this place, you feel forgotten by God. Feels forsaken. Feels, verse 9, why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? He feels oppressed. Verse 10, as with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Now, I don't know that this is actual physical human beings that are talking to the psalmist, or maybe this is just what's going on inside of his head. Nobody's actually saying to him, hey, bro, where's your God? Like, it's just actually what he's thinking and this inner battle that's going on. This, but, it's, but here, it's, it's a taunt. It's like, a dude, you're a failure. God doesn't even want to hang around with you. You know, it's, that's, that's what's going on inside of his soul. Let me read this for you. Various symptoms in varying degrees, point at times to depression. Note the psalmist's description of himself. He mentions his countenance, which is downcast. A depressed person looks sad or down. A loss of appetite, frequent crying are often present. He describes his anguish as pouring out his soul, verse 4. He felt emotionally drained. He felt as if he were in the deep being overwhelmed by waves. Often depressed people filled, feel overwhelmed by circumstances to such an extent that they are completely immobilized. They don't know how to cope. They don't know where to begin. The enemy's relentless taunts feel like a shattering of the psalmist's bones. Often there are physical symptoms such as headaches, digestive disorders, chronic pain accompanied with severe depression. He repeated, repeatedly describes himself as being in despair, and he's disturbed, he's hopeless, he's anxious. The psalmist feels abandoned, even rejected by God, and he's totally confused by it. Feelings of guilt and rejection are common symptoms of depressed people. In addition, are often fatigue, a loss of motivation to do anything, difficulty in concentrating, sleep disturbances, 
and even thoughts of suicide, okay? So my point is, this at times is the human condition, okay? We need to take ourselves to God and be honest with God. The psalmist is completely honest with God, acknowledging his pain. Third thing is he confronts himself. The psalmist confronts himself. Three times, I read these to you, verse 5, verse 11, and verse 5 of, this, of Psalm 43. He says, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? He asks himself a question. Like, hey, soul, what is wrong with you? Like, what's wrong? And it's actually very helpful when we're in this state. Like, we need to engage our mind, like, to help ourselves. Like, like what is wrong with me right now? What is going on inside of me? That's, that's, a, that's a healthy spiritual exercise that we should all engage in. So there's a couple things that I wrote down of possible, and there's, there's probably a whole lot bigger list than this, but possible reasons for this depressed condition of the soul. Number one would be um, secret sin that is unconfessed. If you as a believer have sin in your life, you know there's something God does not want you to do, and you're doing it continually, you are, it's, you're going to be depressed. Anybody that's backslid, well, any Christian ever really knows what this, what this is like. Okay, when you're doing, there's something wrong and you haven't brought it to the light yet. It will lead to depression. Psalm 32, I'll just read a little bit of this. Psalm 32, by the way, Psalm 38, Psalm 51 are all uh, areas where the psalmist describes this reality. There's like a hidden sin going on and it's leading to real depression. Verse uh, three of verse th uh, chapter 32 of, of Psalm 32. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. The psalmist is feeling the heavy hand of God, the heavy hand of conviction. And he's kind of miserable. I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. So the psalmist knows not only the heavy hand of conviction, but he knows the relief of coming into the light, bringing it to God, and knowing real forgiveness. That could be why our soul is in such a bad place. Now, let me just say, in Psalm 42, there's no indication that the psalmist has a sin to repent of. Okay? But here's another one that I do think you can find in this Psalm, 42 and 43, and that is relational problems. Look at verse 3. He says, my tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember. Now the psalmist is remembering something. These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go with the throng or the crowd 
and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. So, um, so he, he's remembering a time when he would go to the house of God with a whole bunch of other people, and they would be praising the Lord and be celebrating God's goodness and honoring Him. And uh, he remembers that time. Chapter Psalm 55 is uh, this, this passage reminded me of Psalm 55. 55 says this, verse 9. No, I'm sorry, verse 4. My heart isn't, this is another lament psalm. I told you there, there's like almost half of them are laments. Over a third. Verse 4, my heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me. A horror overwhelms me. And I say, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Yes, I would wander far away. I would lodge in the wilderness. Selah. I would hurry to find a shelter for the raging wind and tempest. Basically, the psalmist is anguishing. His soul is really disheartened and discouraged and depressed. And he's just saying, I'd, I'd like to just run away from it all. It's basically what he's saying. And then it says this in verse 12. It says, For it was not an enemy who taunts me, then I could bear it. It is not an adversary who deals insolently with me, or harshly and being really violent toward me, then I could hide from them. But it was you, a man my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. We used to take sweet counsel together, Within God's house, we walked in the throng. Basically, David is recalling a time when he was with a friend in God's presence, in God's company, and then something happened. Happened dreadfully, something dreadful had gone wrong, and now this person is what used to be a friend, now he's acting the part of an enemy. Okay? That caused great, uh, you know, discouragement to his soul and the reality is that when we have those kind of relational struggles it can be it can really weigh on your soul it really really can I say that from experience firsthand experience and so the last one that can just really um weigh heavy on our on our soul is circumstances and disappointments in life when you have your heart set on something and it doesn't happen the way you were hoping it was going to happen if we don't process that properly that discouragement can really cause us to crash and burn okay the apostle paul said this in second corinthians regarding circumstances and disappointments he says Verse 8, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the afflictions we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Talk about being downcast. The great apostle is like, we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. 
So Paul went through this great anguish of soul, and in that, his, his takeaway was, God was teaching me to rely not on myself, but on Him. Right? That's one of the great takeaways from these difficult seasons in our life. Relying on God, not on ourself. <clears throat> so, we have to confront ourselves and ask us some questions. Why is the light on on the dashboard? What, what is going on here? What's happening? Next thing that we ought to do in this is um, verse 3 and 4 of Psalm 43 is a little prayer. And I think it's a really key prayer how the psalmist is relating to his anguish. He prays, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. So, you know, sometimes, God's, sometimes God wants to send an earthquake. Where when we find ourselves in jail, He wants to send an earthquake and break the doors open. You guys familiar with that story in the, in the Bible? Happened a few times in the book of Acts. A jailbreak, ba-boom. God answers our prayer in a spectacular way. Sometimes God wants us to stay in the jail so we can witness to the prison guard, okay? <laughs> Harry Harmer said amen. <laughs> Sometimes God wants us to stay in the jail just simply to pray and to intercede. My point is we need God's wisdom in the moment when we're, when we're in that place of struggle. We really do. There's not a one-size-fits-all. You know, James chapter uh, 1 says this my brethren count it all joy count it all joy my brothers when you meet trials of various kinds for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete lacking nothing god wants us to cry out to him for help and then learn how to hear his voice, learn how to tap into his wisdom. And if he wants to break us out of the jail, great. If he wants us to stay in the jail, that's okay too. Okay, but the point is, is we're seeking him and we're seeking him fervently. And he, he will reveal himself to us in those difficult times. There is ton, and I, and I didn't write these down, but there are tons of promises in scripture about God being near to those that are in their greatest hour of need, Right? God is our refuge, and God is our strength. A very Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters, waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. God, and, and that's just one of many promises, God promises to be with us in that hour of trial. And He will give us what we need in that moment. So, when our souls are downcast, discouraged, and depressed, number one, when it's basically time to lament, A, we turn to God with all of our heart. B, we acknowledge the pain. Don't pretend it's not real. Acknowledge it. It's the the light on the dashboard, there's something wrong. <clears throat> um, C, we analyze the pain. <laughs> like, what's wrong? 
Why is this happening? Did I bring this on myself? Am I done some sin? Am I, am I not dealing with some? Is there some disappointment? Is there some personal, like, people struggle that I'm having? What is the cause of this in my soul? Analyze it. Number four, ask God for help. And lastly, and this is what it says three times in these few verses. Verse 5, chapter 43, Psalm 43. Why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. We need to put our, just put our hope in him. You know, the first person, somebody said it this way once. The first person we ever need to preach to every day is ourself. Okay? That's the first person we need to preach to. We need to tell ourselves, uh, we need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. Hey, Mike. God loves you. He's for you. Just, if he shows, you know, uh, just walk in the light as he is in the light. And the blood of Jesus cleanses you from all sin, you know. And um, preach the gospel to ourselves. And the psalmist ends with this, like, I don't understand everything that's going on, but I'm going to hope, God, I'm going to hope in you. I shall again praise him. You are my God and my salvation. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all of our ways, acknowledge Him and He shall direct our paths. Don't shy away from personal pain. Let's learn to lament, okay? Let's learn to like take the pain and respond to it appropriately. And actually, I think... I think if we don't feel pain and sorrow, then we're really not, we're not really connected to planet Earth. We're not really connected to the world. There's a lot of pain all around us. Again, I mentioned three big things just this week alone, you know, between the shooting, burying my friend, and just church drama. Those three things are way heavy on our soul. So what are we going to do with it? We need to come and seek God every, like never before, acknowledging, Lord, I need you and you alone. Um, acknowledge the pain, analyze the pain, ask God for help, and then at the end of the day, we trust Him. We trust God. Now, here's the thing about trust. You don't have to know all the answers when you trust somebody. I like, please give me a couple answers. That would be helpful. But I don't have to know everything to be able to trust you. And God is good. He loves us. We're in the palm of his hands if we've yielded our life to him. We don't have to worry. We don't have to fear. We don't have to fret if we belong to him. Amen? Amen. Amen.